welcome back to Tunes Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Harold. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Hey, we've got Blake Fisher from Finding Emo in the house. What's up, man? Not a lot. How are you doing? Great, man. Appreciate you taking the time. Of course. Uh, I was telling you, I, I found you guys a show. Um, I think I, I follow from Blake. I think it's from the OKC. Is that correct? Uh, that did your yes. logo? Yes. Yeah. So, so I followed yeah. him and he had tweeted your, or put a picture of your logo up. Yeah. Blake is, uh, he's actually business partners with Kyle that does the podcast with us. And he's also kind of our go-to artwork guy for everything we do because he's really good at it. So he na- he nailed it on this one. We just gave him like a really rough idea and he uh, really put it together very well. No, like the whole aesthetic of it, I was like, dang, this is like, per- this fits perfect. Yeah, we literally just told him the name of it is Finding Finding Emo and, you know, it's about 2000s music kind of stuff. And that was all we gave him to run with. <laughs> So that's that's how the creative types are, man. Like the girl, the girl that did my branding, we talked for so long, and then I never. By the end of it, I was like, I didn't even tell you what colors or anything I liked, and she's like, I got it, and then so she did all my branding for me, and I was I like, like, How the hell did you get all this? Yeah, that's the best way to do uh, someone that's creative is just like let them off the leash. If you need some guidelines, fine. But yeah, Blake did my <laughs> artwork for my solo album too that I released like oh my gosh, almost a decade now ago and i did the same thing i was like this is kind of the picture but i want it to be colorful that's it you know that's that was my entire direction i was like go nuts no yeah i love the aesthetic for sure man um i'd indirectly uh heard about you because i i knew i know uh josh and robbie those guys from boys yeah they play in blink 405 yep. um we had done a i'd had them on my show before too been on their show but we did a i did a series in march it was march sadness i don't know if you saw that i did see that yeah so we did it was basically like a march madness it was a 64 band bracket where we were you know talking about like um our favorite emo bands like a crowdsourced i was uh compiling lists like a huge master list and we whittled it down to 64 and then you know did it like straight up march madness style did the whole was it the whole band that had to be sad or was it albums or songs or what was it was a criteria it was a pretty loose interpretation okay loose um uh so yeah it was just you know we had like the staples like your your uh american footballs and stuff like right, that yeah that's a um, <laughs> that's gotta be but, at the top of the list yeah but um as far as some of the other ones i mean it was a lot of it was personal taste for yeah. some people would they'd be like oh you know i'd really like to see these guys in it and when i got it down i knew the people that i wanted to have kind of seed it and like pick the uh do the seating of it like the one through 12 for each Right for each uh, region, and that's how we whittled it down. We we're just you know talking about you know when we talk about things that kind of uh, tickle our emo bones. What bands do that? What bands don't? And which which bands do we think deserve to be in? Which it was completely subjective, but oh it was yeah, just utter chaos. And I loved it. And by the end, we get into a, sh- a shouting match in the last episode, and it was amazing. So. A shouting match about sad music. I love it. It was That's hilarious. Perfect. I was like, you fucking people. Like, I, I, like, never get riled up like that, but I was just like, you fuckers asked me what I thought, and I fucking told you. I was, like, cussing like crazy. I was like, by the end of it, I was just, like, over it. I was like, I just want this to be over. Like, yeah, we, <laughs> we, uh, we did their podcast as our uh, – Chris and I are in Tweezer, our Weezer tribute – cover band yeah right and we right. did a we did a show with blink 405 uh unfortunately chris had like a last minute emergency down in texas he had to take care of it didn't get to come play it but we we filled in with our friend ty on drums and it was a lot of fun playing with them and and doing their their boys podcast yeah man very cool those guys are awesome yeah they're Crack great shit up they end up getting shit out of you that you're like i've literally never told anyone that in my yeah. life <laughs> I don't, they're I don't like, know that I want to go back and listen to that podcast because I'm worried is, actually I'm about the same what might way. be on it. I'm like, well, the first time I watched porn, I was actually – and then I'm like, I've literally never told anyone that. Like, why did I even bring that up? Like, that's so crazy. But they're just, like, so disarming like that that they just have you, like, talk about the craziest stuff. I'm and the like, room is, God. like, re- very dark and chill, <laughs> and so you just feel very comfortable in there. Like, you could take a nap, and so you uh, exactly, inadvertently yeah. release things that you didn't mean to, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you guys tricked me into being comfortable. Exactly. 
uh well finding emo man like talk about how the idea came together and like just kind of the whole vibe behind that i know you guys are all buddies for, for from a long time ago so how that all kind of come together yeah, so we've all been friends for a really long time, sort of separately. Uh, Kyle and I grew up uh, together, and then Chris and I were in high school together and in bands, obviously, and stuff. And I was actually in Kyle's band, too, uh, later on. And so we kind of knew each other separately. And then, you know, I don't know, quite a while ago, we all started kind of hanging out and stuff. And uh, we sort of did a – we had a band that we didn't ever quite get off the ground uh, just because, you know, life with jobs and kids and things like that. Um, and so one night I kind of thought about like, it'd be fun to do a podcast. Cause I guess I'm wide in my thirties. And so that's just like some sort of thing that happens inside of people in their thirties. <laughs> you're, you're right of passage. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought about doing it and hadn't really talked to Chris about it at all, but I just, you know, I thought it'd be fun to do something with him, but I couldn't think of an idea. And while I was thinking of that, he texted me and Kyle, like kind of at the same time, we've always had this kind of group text message going on with the three of us. And he was like, I've got an idea let's just talk about like 2000s albums like and just talk about one album per episode and i was like that's perfect that's exactly what we should do because that was uh the sort of our bread and butter not only what we were growing up on because we were all we all graduated high school like they both graduated in 2000 and we i graduated 2002 so that's like right in the mix of that and then we were all in bands at the time and we were all touring around the country at the time uh, none of us were as uh, successful as any of the bands we're going to talk about on the podcast. But, you know, so it's sort of our industry and uh, we were just really in it. So we thought that'd be a perfect thing to talk about, especially as some of these albums are turning 20 years old, <laughs> which is crazy. And I know. Yeah. <laughs> and so we just thought it'd be a good, okay, this is kind of the timeline and we'd be uh, kind of celebrating some of these two decade old albums. Uh, yeah. That was kind of where the idea came from. And then we just kind of ran with it, started recording them actually in January before all the crazy COVID stuff uh, and just wanted to get a whole bunch of episodes that we could have in the can um, and finally released it at the very end of April. Yeah, man, it was awesome too. Cause I was like, I, like I said, I'd found it through um, Blake, the, the designer Blake. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, Oh my God, this is so cool. And um, so I, I, it was one of those things I saw it and then I was just like, I'm going to look that up. And then I didn't look it up at that time. And then I found it again later and I was like, Oh yeah, I needed to look that up. And then I think you guys had dropped like maybe three episodes at once. Yeah. We dropped the first three like, yeah, at once. And then we're doing them every two weeks after that. Uh, right on. It's yeah. kind of the idea. At least at first, we don't know. We're, we're just, we're throwing things at the wall here too. So, right. <laughs> well, it was like, I was sold as like the first episode clarity. I was just like, bro, this is, we really, these went guys are, it, didn't we? <laughs> I like the cut of these these guys' jib, for sure. Yeah, we just figured, like, why even try to, like, tease it out? It's like, let's just go ahead and start. We love all these albums. We're, we haven't... I can't imagine we're going to get to one for a long time that, that we don't all love. So, I mean, we're kind of uh, maybe front-loading it a little heavy. Oh, that, 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 that's not completely true. There are some that other, you know, maybe Kyle loves more than Chris and I do or something. But for the most part, they, they've all been fun and really some of them we hadn't um i hadn't listened to in a long time on a couple of the episodes we've done so far and so uh it was fun to go back and be like you know this is actually really good i don't know why i haven't spun this in a while right yeah uh well before it gets too much um why don't you tell people take people through you know we kind of have some crossover with our audience i did my my um my uh, uh march sadness did so well it's like the best thing best performing thing i've ever done so there's obviously probably going to be some crossover there so maybe for people that want to check your show out, can you talk about, you know, kind of like the format of like, what is it that you guys do? Cause you have like a very, uh, like you have like a set way that you do the things. We and do. there's also like, there's, um, of course you guys have like some leeway and everything, but just talk about what people can, you know, expect whenever they tune into an episode. Yeah. So we, when Chris came up with the idea is like talk about these albums and bands and stuff, I just thought like it would be, I love, I mean, this is just going to be me totally telling what I'm ripping off, but I love the rewatchables podcast, the like uh, Bill Simmons and stuff do with the movies. Uh, and they literally just talk about a movie that they think is rewatchable, which is basically the same idea as a great album. It's listenable over and over again. Uh, and I just like some of the things they do as far as, you know, talking about when it, when it came out, kind of the history of that. And then all the kind of fun, you know, basically they're just doing some, I think what they called is half-assed internet research or Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. You know? And so I thought I'm it'd be, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd be fun to talk about some of the weird, uh, 
you know, just kind of things you pick up about the recording of albums. And then I kind of thought it'd be really fun to go track by track is that was kind of my contribution to it. I was like, I think we should just talk about every song in order and, uh, you know, how we felt when we listened to it the first time. Did it grow on us later? Um, do we like this album more than we did then or less? Um, you know, so just kind of like, where does this land in the, it's kind of weird because the obviously the title's Finding Emo, but it's such a hard thing to nail down. Like, what is emo? And no one ever claimed it back in the 2000s. No one was like, we're an emo band. Like, that's just, people didn't say that. They were like, we're a rock band or we're a punk band with a, you know. But it was kind of this weird, unique blending of um, different genres kind of at the time. And, and so it was a, so we don't have a really hard and fast rule for what an emo album is so far. We've done... I don't know, like three pop punk albums so far, which I don't think anyone would really consider emo, but because of it was of the era, basically 1999 to, we haven't got anything past 2002 at this point, I don't think. So we will get into the 2000s some more, but we thought we kind of needed to front load the, some of those early ones to kind of uh, set the, you know, those set up so much that came after them at least. Oh yeah, yeah. You de- you guys definitely came out swinging for sure. Man. Hence the clarity as the first. I was yeah. One I was like, did. dang, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Which that was like you know, admittedly, uh, that was one that I went back to because uh, I was my intro was uh, uh, bleed American. Yeah. And so um, it was one of those things. I was just like, that was my intro to point to Jimmy World, and was like, man, this is fucking awesome. Like. I can't imagine like what their other stuff looks or sounds like. And then when I went back to Clarity, I'm just like, man, this is, this is really good too. Like, this is crazy. It's funny. Cause and that so, happens with most people is like you, you know, for Jimmy world specifically, you either kind of like knew about them during Clarity and then bleed American came out or vice versa. You, you found out about them when bleed American came out and went backwards. Uh, I, I just happened to, listen to hear them both at the same time it was like someone the week that bleed american came out introduced me to jimmy world and so i just like got both the albums on the same day so it's just kind of a weird thing that most people have this like well this was my first one so i was like i had both those albums to ingest like at the exact same time which was weird yeah it was (laughs) was almost too much but uh in a a really great way obviously no for sure man yeah and i just i just love that album so much oh yeah it's fantastic hearing them pull some of that stuff off live like the i've only seen them in concert once and their closer was goodbye sky harbor Mm -hmm. and seeing them pull that off live was just insane it was like because they put on a whole production it was like it was at the diamond ballroom so it's like this real small venue we're all packed in like sardines and it's just like what year was it playing it do what what year was it when you saw them oh man the year i've got the ticket hanging up on a board somewhere where is it it was the invented tour. Okay, yeah. So a few years ago, yeah. It's not. Yeah. So it was that. It was that. Uh, Coffee and cigarettes. Right. Was on that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was the invented tour, yeah. and so I was at that show as well. Um, that's awesome, man. Yeah. But when it got to Goodbye Sky Harbor, I was like, oh my god, they're playing that. Yeah. And I was just like dumbfounded how they're gonna pull it off. I'm at. Uh, um, I'm at nine the ending times of now. It. I've seen them nine times, so I'm excited. God, about... that's awesome. Time number ten, which should I hope? I mean, I hope happens in twenty twenty, but who knows? This year has been such a crap show. <laughs> I know, man. The new album we'll just see. dropped, and I'm like, I would was really hoping to see him, but I also know, next year, good. next year be the twenty year of uh, Bleed American. I know, and I really uh, my, I want them so badly to do a, a album reunion show where they do or not reunion anniversary show where they play it front to back, but I think the because re- they didn't do it, they did it with Futures, they did it. Uh, with clarity, but they didn't do it with bleed American. And I think it's because, I mean, the front load of that set list is crazy. They've got to play bleed American praise chorus, the middle, your house, which they've never played live to my knowledge. And then sweetness. Those are your first five tracks. I mean, that's normally the last three they play is like (laughs) praise chorus middle or, uh, so I think maybe that's the reason they didn't do a 10 year one. It might. Yeah. All I want to do is like, have I want to hear that whole album because I've never heard Your House live. I've never heard I was just thinking that. I think I Cautioners is the underrated gem on that album. Yeah. It's such a good song. And I want to hear and my People Sunday. just glaze right over it. I'm like, what are you doing? 
Yeah, and I want to hear my sundown live. That the last track on it, I think it would right. be a really great way to end the, or at least end the first set of a concert, and then come out and do a little encore or something. Anyway, That'd I think they should definitely do it for twenty years. Uh, I hope they yes, do. Please, uh, anyone, if you know Jimmy World, please tell them to do a twenty-year anniversary tour of yeah, get, America. Get Jim Atkins on the horn. Let's Everybody do tweet it. him. Yep. He's got to make it happen. Be fantastic. It's probably like already in the works, and we're just like talking. We're just spinning. I hope so. It'd <laughs> be fantastic. I would love to hear that whole album front to back, uh, even if that means that you know, "Sweetness" is the fifth song they play. Uh, <laughs> that fine. would be so insane. Like, I would love that. That would yeah. be amazing. Be good. It'd be really great. Um, well, yeah, man. I guess I don't think it's gonna be too much of a spoiler. I guess, but really, I was wanting to get a better feel for kind of like what your taste is, man. So, yeah. like. I've kind of I've gotten like a good like you know some of the the you've done like a you did a blink did newfound glory did uh get up kids uh-huh. which I, I have to give a shout out again you know I know we've talked about them before already but um I had to I had to bust I had to bust uh Josh's balls Josh Montgomery because uh that was like a big point of contention whenever we did March Sadness was like man these these bands are new emo bands so I'm just like shut the fuck up Josh but he was like um but you guys did you guys did uh newfound glory and i yeah. was like I, I texted him i was like hey like do you know these guys like i knew he knew you guys but i was just like razzing him yeah and i was like well you know you might want to tell him that that's on emo album like i didn't listen to that to that episode yet he was just like funny like and then he's like was explaining it, like they said that it's not an emo album like it's pop punk <laughs> and i'm just like god it's so funny it's like funny how gatekeepery people get with that and it's just like dude that was like an invented like we made that genre, right? Like we you're really saying, did. Like, yeah, they didn't say that when they came out. Like I'm emo. It was just like a thing that was thrust upon them. Like, Which is weird because I don't. Yeah, has that happened in another genre? I mean, I can't. Obviously, I I've know. not been alive for all of them, but I feel like, you know, disco people were calling themselves disco, and grunge people were calling themselves grunge rock, and alternative at the time, and that's what everyone was calling that. And then I feel like emo was the only thing I can think of in my life that like yeah, had a label that no one claimed. I mean, I don't know a single band that was famous or otherwise that said, we're an emo band. I don't know. Like, I think we all, it's not like we were, it just didn't, it was so broad. It didn't help narrow it down. If you said you were an emo band, that wouldn't have helped anything really. I mean, I think we kind of knew some of the things, but when you can be going from dashboard confessional to, you know, blink one, a two, some people were considering emo and everything in between. It's kind of like, it's pretty hard to say like, like, there's no ground rules. Like it's just chaos. Yeah, and, and obviously there's going to be parts of that genre that people really like and maybe, uh, you know, I don't know that anyone's going to love every band that got labeled with that genre. So it is a really weird genre. So it's so broad that we, that's why part of the reason we like it is because we're like, well, I mean, we can kind of um, we can kind of include anything from that decade, essentially, is kind of the idea, <laughs> probably. Right, yeah. You know, and some stuff doesn't feel like it fits, but then I've been thinking a lot about it because... I go, all right, so why is this band not considered emo? Like, you know, I was thinking today, oddly enough, like, why is Coldplay not considered emo? <laughs> when, like, everything, everything about it, instrumentation, l- lyrics, all that stuff, like, really, it make, is it because they're British? I guess there maybe weren't very many British <laughs> bands or because they didn't look emo. You know, we and we talked about that on, I think, the first episode. We were like, some of it encapsulated a look more than it was a sound which is kind of a strange thing for music, which was obviously not, you know, having a look to a band, right. You know? Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. It's kind of a weird, it's just a, and it's a point of contention for so many people because you're right. I've talked a lot about it with Josh. Uh, he actually did not ne- He never has brought up that Newfound Glory is not emo, but we've talked about <laughs> some of the other episodes because he knew some stuff that we were wrong about. Uh, we try to fact check ourselves as much as possible, but uh, we have learned that we still have gotten some stuff wrong. And uh, <laughs> obviously, we're not experts. Oh, he'll but, let you know. He'll yeah. So, he, and he knows a lot too. So he's yeah. Uh, he's helped he'll me get out on you. a couple things. Yeah. <laughs> no, when we. Uh you know talking about that march sadness when we were doing that and setting it up it was just like that was a huge like one of the guys that said well what's the criteria like if i if it just has to elicit an emotion is that like at the bare bones of it like then adele should be emo and i was just like well let's pump our goddamn brakes here like we're not gonna put them in so it's just like you know there's so it's too ambiguous and so we're trying to whittle it down based on like some really hard to define criteria so it was just kind of ended up being chaos which i loved but yeah it is it is hard <laughs> it's not 
I mean, I could probably list a few things that it has to have. I mean, I feel like it's all guitar driven. I feel like it is mostly from a a punk and alternative rock kind of blending of weirdness. And it's basically people stopped worrying about not just having bangers on the album. Like I think you used to have like the one ballad before that. You, okay. You got one slow song. And then it was like, I guess we could have all slow songs if we want to, or half of them could be slow or whatever. Jimmy world's a really good example of that. I don't feel like they're an, e- I mean, I would never call them an emo band, but they kind of have gotten that label slapped on them. And I think it's mostly because they can rock really hard on an album. They can have a really chill, beautiful song with strings in it. And they're not trying to like confine themselves to like, Oh, we've got to fit in this box or whatever. And I feel like that maybe was different because all the stuff that came before it was a little more like, well, I mean, it's a bad example. We bring up a bad band in, in almost every episode, but it's like rap rock was like, well, you had to rock and rap, you know, it's like, I don't know. There were, you know, some, a little more. It's the criteria. You have to you check know, those like, boxes. The criteria. It's like, it must be this. I don't know. That's kind of a weird example, but I just feel like everything was so in a box. Um, yeah. There's a formula. Yeah, maybe. And, and there was, there were formulaic emo bands. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there were some oh, for sure. really bad bands in the early 2000s, but you know, uh, we, so we're, we're going through, we've got a, a really long list of, of bands that we've got listed on there. And we probably have, there are probably a lot of bands that we don't have on that list that people would consider us crazy for not including on there yet. But I think it's just because there are a quite a chunk of those bands that like we either weren't into at the time or just didn't like that style, even though people would slap emo on it. And I think we will do those albums too. It's just going to be harder to talk about if none of the three yeah. of us like it. Those are going to be later episodes. Yeah, they're going to be short episodes. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, well, you'd mentioned the time that you were in high school around that, and that's like such an impactful time. I feel like oh, yeah. whenever I found a lot of bands that I consider emo that I love to this day. So, yeah, like I was saying earlier, man, just like, what are some of the bands that stick out to you from that time that you like, you know, that you end up loving and that you're like, can find yourself listening to at any time? Oh yeah. I mean, um, Jimmy world's one of them. I mean, they're just one of my all time favorite bands. So, I mean, I get introduced to them in right when bleed American comes out. So summer of 2001 and I've just, I, I, I've always loved them. I think they're, uh, despite bleed American selling millions of copies, uh, it, they're still underrated in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, so they would be one of my favorites and they're one of all of our favorites. So, I mean, that, that goes across me, Kyle and Chris for sure. Um, I am the chiller of the three, uh, Chris and Kyle are more punk than I am. Uh, I, in, I really got into that kind of stuff with like pop punk stuff. They were more punk rock before that. Uh, so I'm, you know, unashamedly, I like pop punk stuff and, uh, I, I always liked a good, kind of uh singer songwriter ballad kind of thing so before emo stuff happened i loved like billy joel and elton john and pete yorn and ryan adams and kind of all this stuff so that that's like an attractive thing to me so then all of a sudden these like kind of rock bands were doing it too and it worked pretty well so jimmy world's one of them um i love copeland um gosh there's so many uh i love like everything that andrew mcmahon's done so something corporate and jack's mannequin and now his in the wilderness thing, uh, just, I think he's one of the best. Um, so, but you can see, I kind of, I'm, and I love dashboard and further seems forever and kind of all the stuff Chris Crabbe did. So I lean a little more on the singer songwriter side of things, maybe a little bit. Cause like Copeland's, you know, basically oh, yeah. the most important thing is Aaron in that band. And so Aaron Marsh, not sure. that the other dudes aren't important, but like, he's clearly the creative like focus of that. Um, so, you know, I probably tend to like a lot of bands that are kind of driven by one creative force sometimes. And that doesn't mean uh, I don't like, you know, band bands. Although Jimmy World's a good example of, like, they're a band band. I mean, those guys are. Oh, yeah. Um, so those are but probably. Yeah, Tom, Tom was like the original singer. Exactly. And then they just. So those I are... mean, yeah, you, there's, there's different forces at, at work there in that yeah. band. It's not relying on one guy. Yeah, exactly. You can tell that's a, a a creative kind of cohesion of four dudes that have been playing together for almost 30 years now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so those are probably some of my top ones um, in that sort of genre. Um, 
and there's a lot that I'm forgetting about. I'm totally sure, but. Well, yeah, definitely, like you were saying, I mean, you've already said there's definitely a trend there because I see Andrew McMahon, I mean, something corporate and Jack's mannequin, like he was integral to both of those. Aaron Marsh, Copeland, I mean, Beneath Medicine Tree is like one of my all-time favorite albums. Yeah, I mean, they they nailed, uh, there's, there's so often that like, I feel like in, if you can put out four albums that are great in a row, that's like an amazing feat for a band. And I feel like Copeland did that with their first four albums. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I feel like Jimmy world's another one of those. Um, I feel like, you know, for the most part, that's pretty hard to come by. You're going to have some dud in, in a series of four albums. Right. You're very lucky <laughs> if you even right. make two good albums. A lot of the bands in this genre didn't make even two good albums. You know, uh, Juliana theory is probably one we'll talk about as far as like a band, like loving an album so much. And then the next thing, just hating it <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Cause like that was, Man. that was the, you know, going between, um, uh, what is the first emotion? Uh, emotion is dead. Yeah. Emotion is dead and love is just like night and day. Those two albums are so weird, so different from each other that I just, I don't, I'm not into the uh, love one. I even tried to give it another chance a few years ago. Cause a friend of mine was like, you should really give it another shot. And I was like, Nope. Tried. It's terrible. <laughs> Don't like it. So that's yeah. going to be an interesting listen if you guys end up doing that one. That'll be fun. Yeah. So Copeland's a great example of a band that, man, they just, uh, yeah, really great. Loved them. Listen. I've I've ripped off Copeland with my solo stuff more than I'd like to <laughs> <Love> admit. It. <laughs> like little little things in their recordings and stuff. Uh, did you have you right. ever listened to their newest one? Not their newest one. Their second newest one. That Ixora album. I didn't. Okay. I think In Motion was the newest thing I listened to. Dude, they like, did. I didn't go. I didn't go past that. They did this crazy thing where uh, they recorded like two versions of it. And you, if you pre-ordered, you got two CDs and you could play them on two different CD players at the same time. And it was like, you could either listen to them independently or you could listen to them together. And so, uh, so of course I like threw it all in logic and set up speakers behind me and in front of me and like play the whole thing. (laughs) And it's, it's so cool. It's like an album in surround sound. So there'll be like parts in the back part, like lyrics and song and melodies that aren't in the front. It's, it's one of the most creative things I've heard in a really long time from really any kind of band, but uh, you should, you should check it out. They're both on Spotify, so you can get two phones and and play them together. Yeah. Or you phone in your computer or something, something like that. Yeah. That is too funny, man. That is very cool. I, uh, yeah, I listened to them definitely around that same area. I was like super into like tooth and nail type stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and fringe stuff like that. So, like, Anne Berlin was big for me. Uh, Emery was big for me. Stuff yeah. like that. And it was always cool to see those guys collabing with each other. Like, I remember Anne Berlin, the Stephen Christian and Aaron Marsh come together on Stephen Christian's solo stuff that Anchor and Braille and. Mm hmm you could definitely hear his like influence on it. And like, that's also one of my, one of my favorite albums felt by anchor and Braille. And it's just like, man, it's just like these two juggernauts uh, in my, like these guys are like huge in my life at that time. I'm like, Oh my God, these are two of my favorite bands. And they collabed on this thing. Like I have to get this. So I marched my happy ass to Mardell and bought that. And I feel like when it came out, I feel like everyone probably, I mean, knew kind of everyone in that scene. I mean, we had loose connections to a lot of these people and we weren't even a you know famous band or something like that. We were very moderately successful and on a tiny little indie label. So, but I just feel like all those people kind of knew each other and they all saw each other on the road. So yeah, the collab stuff is great. Uh, and Aaron is a great producer. So yeah, you can definitely hear his fingerprint on stuff when he does it. I feel like, yeah, that's definitely true, man. I listened to, um, Shane told us a podcast of Sil- from Silverstein. Okay. And he interviews other lead singers in other bands. He actually had Jim Adkins on oh, man. and interviewed Jim. I need Jim. to listen to that. It's really that cool. Great. And they talked about basically, you know, the luck of the draw that they happened to meet guys in the scene and they got on with Christy Front Drive. Christy Front Drive wanted to release a split with Jimmy World. And then around that time was when Christy Front Drive got some attention. And they're like, hey, yeah, we're going to put this album out, but we're doing it with this other band from Arizona. It's called Jimmy World. And so those guys essentially put Jimmy Jimmy World on and like was like integral in them getting right. signed too. And it's just like, that is so nuts. That you don't know the level of connection until you hear later on that 
there's these things that are going on behind the scenes that we would have never known about. Like yeah, that's I, so crazy. And I feel like being in that scene back in the day, that stuff got around too. Like you knew which bands were like nice and which ones were jerks. And like, it's like, it's too small of a world, even like in the whole country. It's like, you would kind of hear like, Oh, those guys are jerks or like, Oh, those guys are great. And they're like totally solid. Um, and it normally worked out in your favor if you were like nice people back then, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's as... what for sure, man. That's for sure. The vibe, because I think Jim was saying that on that episode, even that it was like, um, they would just be the, they were the yes band. Like if they, if someone's coming through Arizona and they needed an opener, like, yeah, yeah we'll play like, and so just doing that and always being like, okay, we can count on these guys. Like anytime we come through Arizona, like that they'll jump on a show with us or something. Yeah. I feel like and I've so, never heard a bad thing about the dudes in Jimmy world. I don't feel like I've ever heard anyone say a negative thing about them as no. people. So I feel like that's just gotta be, a, it can't hurt, you know, just be nice. Yeah, no. You know, I hate, I, be cool. I don't, I don't hate it, but it's so funny. Like I was like consciously was like, cause I could tell that you guys really like Jimmy world. And I was oh, just yeah. like, I need to not spend this whole time talking to Blake about Jimmy World, but if we end up doing that, I think that's okay. I'll talk. Like, yeah, I it, will talk about Jimmy World. Time blue in the it's face. Time well spent. It's fine. I've been <laughs> proselytizing them for uh, twenty years now, basically. So uh, it's it's definitely a staple. People are people know I like Jimmy World. People know I like Batman, as you can see behind me. The other people listening can't, but I've got right Batman on. stuff everywhere. But um, yeah, it's just it's part of it. It's built in. That's very cool, man. Yeah, and we we were lucky enough to, you know, put together a really cool episode. Um, I can't remember if I had Roman on that one because you know Roman as well. Yeah, Roman was my roommate at uh, my first condo. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, Roman and I lived together, and he was also Roman. I uh, used to travel with me and Chris in our band. Uh, right he on. was kind of our roadie slash manager uh, slash just really our buddy that we wanted to right. hang out with when we traveled. <laughs> very cool. Well, speaking of. Speaking of toys in the background there. He... Uh, yeah, Roman's got some toys, <laughs> for sure. Roman's got me beat, because Roman doesn't have kids. That's the difference. Uh, so, yeah, Roman and I are basically constantly talking about uh, new toys that we get. It's uh, kind of ridiculous, because we're in our late 30s. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that's that's so funny, man. He's definitely into it. We uh, He did an episode. We did an episode on palm trees and power lines, Oh yeah. uh, Sugar Colt. And, that's um, a great one. He met, yeah, I mean, I love. I that need album, to put but... that on the list of albums we need to do. Actually, oh yeah, that's do a good it, one. please, yeah. please. That's one I had, I'd totally forgotten about until you said that. I'm thinking, I think it was Josh. It was Josh. It would, I had Josh, Roman, and my buddy Luke, and my buddy Luke also co- collects toys. And that was the first time he met Roman, and it was like one of those things of like, listen, this is my friend because yeah. I could see a blossoming bromance <laughs> yeah. going there because they were both talking about toys and stuff, but. Yeah. Uh, so he they met on that sugar cult episode, and it was just so funny. And I remember Josh came to the episode with t- full Tim Pegnata regal with like a skinny tie and everything. It was Very awesome. Very nice. Man. I love it. But yeah, that is a great album. We definitely need to add that to the oh, list. Oh man, yeah, that's one I just had forgotten about. Honestly, yeah, do it. But uh, so yeah, that's been one thing that we've tried to do on my show too. Is just if I see like an anniversary of a band or of an album that I really like is coming up, we did Bleed American and we did uh palm trees and power lines but that was just like when i saw what you guys were doing i was just like oh man this is like right up my alley like i love that (laughs) yeah we've really it's been a lot of fun and like we we thought we wouldn't even on the albums like we thought the newfound glory self-titled one would be like what are we going to talk about for because we we like the album but it's you know it is a punk pop album in the sense that it's not like there's a ton of dynamic range or something going on there it's all 100 miles an hour and stuff right it's all and we basically have not wrapped up an episode in less than an hour 20 minutes we just can't stop talking about these albums uh so it's been really fun and it's also been obviously great during all this coronavirus stuff because we're all stuck in our houses for a couple months and it was nice to like have an excuse to get on a uh you know screen share thing and talk to each other uh about albums which is what we would do if we were you know all here together but we couldn't get together for a while no, yeah, it's like the whole thing of like the podcast is like you just get to bullshit with your friends and like exactly, yeah. We that's why we're trying it. to. We would we would never wrap up an episode if we didn't at least. That's also part of the reason we're like let's talk about this album and these <laughs> songs. We would never stop talking the three of us. Uh, we we probably talk for an hour before we start recording and an hour after about all the other stuff uh, that goes on. Uh, so we we're sorry that our podcasts are an hour and a half long and that <laughs> that's the short version. No, I love that, man. I love, because I, I listen to it, all, I'll listen to, I always 
listen to podcasts on my way to work and then when I get to work try to finish them out but that one's one that that first one took me a little bit because it was like I listened to it on the way to work a little bit at work on the way home yeah I think I finished it the next day on the way to work and I just like I love that like picking up where I left off and just like Especially because you guys, you guys are really good about picking up stuff that's like, oh man, I never knew that about the the production side of that album. Like how you're saying that you guys have like some uh, quirky things that maybe people didn't know about, or something, some production notes that aren't yeah. like common knowledge or anything. I'm really so big. I love production, that stuff. So that's my that's sort of yeah, my, I love it. That's just one of the things I listen to when I'm listening to an album. Is like just I really want to know like, okay, what kind of mic is that? And I just I wish I could like. I wish I could go back to being like a seventh grader and just like listening to music and not trying to pick out parts and microphones and all the kind of stuff that I do now. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of part of it. So I love, we actually probably will have episodes in the future where we talk about producers. One thing we in the, not research, I want to say we're doing research. That's not a fair word, but like even in just the putting the list together of this stuff, we realize like we should probably do some episodes on these producers that produced like a ton of this music that most people probably don't realize who the producer was on this stuff. And so they probably don't know that this same guy did like five of their favorite albums or whatever. Um, so I think we'll probably do something like that in the future too. For sure. Yeah. That actually, cause I was like, that was, it was an aha moment cause there was so long where I didn't talk about um, music, like specific things with music episodes on my show. And I was just like, oh, man, producers would be a really cool thing. So after listening to that, after I listened to Clarity, I was like, uh, Trombino, I was like, dang, that would be, he yeah. would be a cool person. He's done a bunch. Uh, yeah, so even on, in just like the first few albums we've done, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, you got Mark Trombino that did Clarity. You got Neil Avron that did uh, the um, Newfound Glory album and goes on to do a ton of stuff. Um, and so those were kind of both their kind of gateway. And then they ended up doing so many albums after that. Uh, obviously Jerry Finch was already doing green day and stuff when he did blink One Eight Two, So, uh, he was already a gigantic producer at that point and he continued to be a gigantic producer and do a ton of stuff. Um, but it is interesting that some of these guys got these starts on like some pretty monumental albums <laughs> as their sort of first, right. Uh, really early producing credits. And, uh, and went on to do a ton of stuff and kind of, I mean, I think they're a lot of the reason some of the genre has like a, a familiarity to it, I guess is because those guys had their hands in a lot of the albums that people think of. So it'd be interesting to see like a charted out, <laughs> like which producers had a bigger piece of the pie yeah. <laughs> of, uh, of like maybe that if you took the top 100 albums, uh, from that sort of genre, as people said, uh, like, you know, what producers are really shaping that sound. Maybe that's something I'll put together in my spare time in Excel or something. Yeah, man, that could be really, I love stuff like that. It's like just so quirky to hear about, like, especially when you hear maybe a producer like, like collabed on like one specific song on an yeah. album and you're like, can I tell that they worked on that song? It's like, oh yeah, they kind of have like the signature, you know, uh, yeah. magic dust that they put on songs that you could just kind of pick out their stuff. I love that stuff. And the other interesting thing is like, so far we've only done albums that we all like treasure, you know? Um, and what's interesting is then on every episode, someone brings some fact to the table that like one of us didn't know before. I mean, and so it's kind of interesting that even 20 years into some of these things, we're going like, Oh, I didn't know that that's, I mean, sometimes it's literally like, Oh, I didn't know that's what the lyrics said. I mean, sometimes we like, right. pay that little attention for some reason, <laughs> you know, other times it's like, Oh, I didn't know that was the same producer as that. Or I didn't know, you know, there's all sorts of things that come up like that, but it's been, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, man, for sure. I've uh, been lucky enough to talk to some people that have put out albums that I really liked. And um, there's been some uh, interesting through lines. Um, I remember one, so I've talked to, I was able to talk to Dave Elkins of May, who I really love. Oh, yeah. We, um, that's one of my favorites, too, that I probably should have mentioned. The Everglow. I love I mean, May. Yeah. I love that album. Their new one's fantastic, and too, if you haven't listened to it, by the way. Yeah. It's, it's very like the good. The freaking yeah. VR and everything. It's nuts. It's really cool. Um. And I think it was I think it was May that had the had crossover with uh, Kenny from the starting line, who also had crossover with Valencia's uh, "We All Need a Reason to Believe." What is that? I don't the, even what. So I've not heard of that. Uh, so uh, that Valencia. Well, no, just that like the Kenny and and Dave thing. D, uh, Dave, he they did a he I think he 
he helped write a portion of the demo of suspension seriously I yeah it was that. just like some random happenstance thing starting line is to... one of my favorites too that would wow be, okay that's all, so that's kenny kenny the list right? for sure yeah uh well yeah so i'd seen like i don't know it was like a footnote and something something that i was looking up uh, bullshit inter- internet research. Yeah, exactly. I think you said yeah. earlier. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, and I had just talked to Shane from Valencia, who that was, we all need a reason to believe, was one of my favorite albums. I think it came out 2003 or 2005, maybe. But he wrote and was like in, happened to be in the studio, was like in town at the same time that Valencia was in the studio and helped write like a verse of one of their songs. And I'm just like, this is nuts that. You know, you were talking about how, like, the scene's so connected that it's, like, I had no idea that these guys, like, all worked on each other's stuff. Like, this is so yeah, cool. Like, I, think thing, I geek out about that stuff. The thing that totally sucks now with uh, streaming is that most of that stuff is not it, – it, it's, like, we, I don't have the liner notes in front of me, so I would, like, never learn oh, that. right. You know what I mean? So unless – that's the one thing I just hate about streaming stuff. It's, like, I really want to see, like, who played what and who are the extra musicians and who's the producer and who's the engineer – I like looking at all that stuff because I do find so many connections to like, oh my gosh, this one guy has been on, like I said, Neil Avron's a really good example of someone that like, he engineered the Wallflowers Bring Down the Horse, not an emo album, but one of my favorite albums. He engineered on that album, then he goes on to do, you know, Newfound Glory and all the Yellow Card albums and like all these other, which like, you know, you wouldn't put Yellow Card and Wallflowers in any sort of like <laughs> genre together, but like right. Neil Avron is this piece that like connects it as far as like, oh, they just sound so good. Um, so it's, I, I feel like that's missing now. Like so often I'll like, like two things and then someone will bring something like that up like oh well that's produced from the guy that's like the drummer for that other band and i'm like oh well that makes sense i mean like you know i really like that guy's other stuff why wouldn't i like the thing he produces so yeah i love yeah i love cool connections so i feel like like we need to solve liner notes for uh yes for streaming that needs to be something that uh spotify and apple music really get on top of uh giving me liner notes well liner notes too and like um i remember i mean it was like MP3s and like a uh, LimeWire and everything was getting really big when I was in high school, but I was still buying physical albums like yeah. CDs. I'd go to buy whatever, whatever CD I was wanting to buy, and I still remember like going and reading the booklets and reading the liner notes and seeing like like oh I want to see, I bought Reliant K's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and I'm like oh like who are the bands that, that mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Who are the bands that they're like, thank you to these bands that we've been yeah. on tour with? Like, do I know any of these bands? Oh, I don't know these guys. Let me check these guys out. Yeah. And that was like how I first built like my taste. I was like, yeah. who are the bands that, the bands bands? Like, yeah. who are the bands that these bands like or, or respect or something? That's funny that you say bands bands because that is absolutely something we call it when like a bunch of bands like a band, even if that band was never famous or super popular, it's like they influenced a lot of bands and then therefore were like a bigger deal in the scene than people ever knew because maybe they weren't the famous one, but everyone that they influenced became famous or something. I feel like there's so many, uh, so many bands like that that didn't get the credit they deserved back in the day. Yeah. My buddy, my buddy Matt says that he's like, uh, that's your, that's your favorite band's favorite band. Yeah. He's like, you don't know them, but that's your favorite band's favorite. It's very true though. Especially, (laughs) uh, you know, they were either just a little ahead of the time or they were like part of the genre. They were like in one genre that influenced someone's thing. So, uh, yeah, there's, I think there's quite a few like that. And some of them I have now gotten into, it's a lot easier to discover music like that sometimes in this kind of streaming age where like everything's at our fingertips and back. It's like American football is a good example of a band that like, I somehow never heard of them in the two thousands. I don't, I mean, they, I don't know. Cause they're on every list of like top 20, emo albums ever i never heard of them i swear and then like their album came out i guess in like 2012 that one and it came on like my spotify uh discovery playlist or whatever and i was like this is amazing and i went back and i was like how did i not ever hear of this band um i think that all the time i'm like how did i miss them how did i miss this yeah i just totally i was like i've never it wasn't even like oh yeah i've heard of that name i'd like never heard it and now i love that band i mean they're one of my favorites and I'm kind of sad I missed out on <laughs> I know on like you're like I wish I would have been on the forefront yeah but uh, which is fine I'm not going to be one of those people that's too cool like I knew I liked this band before you did I kind of hate <laughs> yeah. I kind of hate those people 
Yeah. The worst. The worst. Yeah, I don't mind them being a fan before I was, but what I hate is when they're like, oh, I liked them. I don't like their new stuff. And it's really just because they don't like that other people like that band. I'm like, that's such a selfish thing to do is like to I love know. a band and then be mad about other people loving that band. I was like, the band would like more people to love them. You know, that's what For every sure. band's goal is, is to be successful and popular and be able to sell out shows and sell records. Um, and I just, I've always felt like that's such a selfish thing to be like, Oh, oh I, yeah, I only like Jimmy world when it was clarity, I don't like that everyone liked them on Bleed America. I was like, that's, but don't you understand that you're saying you liked a band and you don't like that they had massive success? Yeah, I'm like, what are you thinking? Like, I don't know. I just get excited because I'm like, holy shit, you're my friend and you could like this band that I like. Like, yeah. like let's do this. Let's like, let's all listen to this. Yeah, thing. and it's not like it's a competition. It's not. No, I yeah. Mean, it we Chris and I used to Chris used to say all the time. He was like, this is why they sell those 200 disc booklet things for your cds it's like it's not a zero-sum game it's not like oh someone buys jimmy world you can't buy jimmy world or whatever (laughs) you know it's not like there's only x amount of the albums and then what's funny now is that like you know my kid won't know what a disc booklet thing is or whatever i mean it's just all it's just all on spotify now or whatever it's a relic to them yeah so now that now you really (laughs) have all the music in the world and so there's definitely no reason to like be ticked off that someone likes your favorite band and they got too popular i don't know yeah no i'm with you man i just never got that mindset i'm like what are you doing i think people like uh, to have things as their own it's like it was kind of uh you that's know it. and and i think it's just very special to them and they don't want to give it to anyone else but like i said it doesn't make sense to me i've never been like that i, I would love for all of my favorite bands to be wildly successful and everyone know who they are but maybe that's yeah, just yeah. me <laughs> well you're making too much sense, so. I've been accused uh, of that sometimes. No, that's not true <laughs> at all. No one's ever told me that. <laughs> uh, well, Blake, man, I really appreciate your time. Why don't you tell people where they, tell people where they can uh, uh, find Finding Emo? Like, where can they listen to your podcast, follow you on social media, stuff like that? Yeah, so we're on Apple and Google and Stitcher and Spotify. I think those are the four main things we're on uh, for catching the podcast. It's just Finding Emo is the name of the podcast. There are, I think... There's one other emo, or there's one other podcast called Finding Emo, but uh, we're trying to like squash it by just being more popular right. than they are. So <laughs> that's the goal there. Put them um, out of business. We all the social media is Finding Emo Pod. Although our, <laughs> this is so stupid that this happened, we, <laughs> we we get the Twitter Finding Emo Pod, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff back in January, and then. Um, Twitter suspended us for no reason. We'd never tweeted. We'd never done anything. We just got all the domains and stuff. And, uh, and they still have not, it's been like a month and it's been like five weeks and they just will not respond. I've just emailed them over and over again. Like, please unsuspend this account. So you cannot tweet us at finding emo pod because we're suspended What the heck? for no reason. So even, but at the beginning and end of every episode so far, cause we recorded it before we found out we were suspended. Uh, right. I mentioned, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. You cannot hit us up on Twitter still as of right now. Uh, so hopefully that'll get resolved, but you can do Instagram and Facebook. Facebook's kind of a fun place to do it because I'll post an episode and then you, we can discuss in the comments, like where you disagree or it's kind of more fun that way anyway, maybe. So, yeah. So yeah, maybe it. it works out well. And then our website is finding and Chris is about to launch that. I think it's, uh, just a landing page right now, but yeah, we we've uh, really enjoyed it, and then we love for people to give us comments and tell us where they think we're absolutely wrong, or to uh, help resolve our uh, infighting or or fact checking. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I love that for sure. Love that you guys are doing this. So I'm like really looking forward to. Uh, it's gonna be one of those things where I'm like, oh man, what album they do this week? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna be su- excited for that. Suggestions are something we're into too, because like that Sugar Cult album is a great example. Of oh, something right that, on. Like, somehow we hadn't thought of, and now I've got to put that on the list for sure. So we've we've made a giant list, but man, there are so many really good albums that came out around right. that. Um, yeah. It, so yeah, we definitely are all in for suggestions too. 
Um, so yeah, you're bound to miss some, so it's all good. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll gladly tell you when we're like, no, we really didn't like that album, so we're probably not going to do it. <laughs> Sorry, we'll have to have like a guest on for some of those albums, maybe that we didn't uh, we didn't like ourselves. Like maybe we'll have a fan of I don't know. I can't think of a good. Oh, that'd be cool. None yeah. of us liked Screamo, so that's going to be probably the the part of the genre that's going to yeah. like be absent. You're gonna have to outsource, and people are going to be like, what's up with not having any Screamo <laughs> bands? And we're going to be like, Sorry, we kind of hated Screamo at the time. You can't understand like we were in a band that toured around and every band we played with was screamo for like a oh two or God. three year I can't period of time imagine. and it was just like the clothes and the uh, just it got really old really fast uh screamo and hardcore <laughs> both of chris and kyle are more into the hardcore kind of thing now a little bit uh, but at the time it was like so exhausting it was um you know, it was kind of like how like John Mayer became popular, and then like every guy with an acoustic guitar, you're just kind of oh like, my oh, God. I just want to like stop. Yes, even I was like kind of one of those guys or whatever. But um, you know, <laughs> that's fine. I was more in the dashboard uh, rain, I yeah. guess. But you're uh, more in that realm. realm. I was more, in that realm. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I feel you. So we're, we'll we'll see we'll, we'll see what kind of feedback we get on. Uh, I'm sure we'll see that like. <laughs> Maybe everyone else hates us doing pop punk records, but we're probably going to have a lot of <laughs> pop punk stuff because that's kind of where we all came from. That's kind of our bread and butter. Uh, that's what kind of bands we were in personally, too. So, um, yeah, we're excited to hear what people think about it. Yeah, man, for sure. And like I said, I'm excited. So you guys go check that out for sure. Uh, I know we had a lot of uh, – we've got a ton of emo like music fans. Uh, we had a – you know, like I was tell- like I was telling you, like that uh, March Sadness was like the – the biggest thing we've ever done so if you guys like me music definitely go check out finding emo um like you said you can find it on every streaming platform for sure um but blake yeah thanks again man for your time of course thank you for having me so much well as always guys you can follow us on social media that's tunes tunes podcast t-u-n-e-s slash t-o-o-n-s we're on facebook twitter and instagram you can listen to us on spotify apple podcasts wherever you find your podcast.